I just finished ministering here in California. I have my beautiful daughter, Natasha, with me. And we had a glorious service tonight, glorious service. You're seeing this the next day. And I want to talk to you tonight about how to break the power of sin of your life. I really believe the Bible gives us the answer. And lately, you know, I just uh, kind of got a little example. So I'm going to talk to my daughter and to you. Let's say that I came one day and gave you a brand new car mm -hmm. with the keys. Now that's a gift because I love you, you know? So think about God Almighty one day giving us life eternal as a gift. And he gave us the key for it. But now that gift or car or what God gives us, life eternal, needs fuel, just like a car needs fuel. The fuel is God's word. Mm. And we have to turn the engine on before that car can move. Therefore, we, in the spirit, need to turn the engine of prayer on so we can move. So it's important that we believers understand that to live a life of victory, we have to understand a few things. So God comes and declares us his own. When, when you study the, the book of Romans, sweet saints, Paul the apostle begins by talking about justification and then in chapter 6, he begins to talk about sanctification. Now, there's a big difference between justification, sanctification. And I'll explain that in just a moment. And then he moves on to chapter 8 and on glorification. Mm -hmm. So how do I go from justification to sanctification to then glorification. Well, let's talk first about justification. So God Almighty comes, gives us life eternal, and declares us his children, declares us righteous. So we're born again. But we still don't know who we are. We still don't know the Lord fully. It's like, it's like when your mommy and I had you, or before you, Jessica, when you were babies, we declared you to be our own. We, we said, this is my baby. But you did not know us till you began to grow up. And then you said, ah, that's mommy, yay, that's daddy. And then you got to know our ways. You got to know our thoughts, the way we think, the way we want things to be in life. And we trained you in our ways. And now you are like us because you grew to know us. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like your mommy and daddy. So think about God Almighty. He declares us his. He gives us life eternal, just like we gave you life on earth. You became our child. He, he gives us life eternal, declares us his children. 
but we have to grow into that knowledge of the Lord. And growing into that knowledge is called sanctification. So God declares us righteous when we're born again. That's justification. But then we have to grow into that righteousness day by day as we receive the word of God. And as we also turn on the engine of prayer in our life. Then we can begin to live the life God wants us to live. We can be, begin to move forward just like a car does. Um, in Romans chapter 6, Paul begins to talk about something really beautiful and powerful. And I want to kind of help you understand a little bit as we begin here on how to break the path of sin. There's a lot more we can talk about, maybe later at other times, because it's a vast subject. But basically, first you have to know what Jesus did on the cross and what Christianity really means. So he begins with, in Romans 6, he says in verse one, shall we say that, what shall we say that? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then he says in verse 3, Know ye not, so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. He starts to tell us, here's what happened. Don't you know that the second you receive Jesus, that's what it means by baptized into Jesus Christ. The second you receive the Lord, you are baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. And here is not meaning baptism into water. Baptism into Christ is what he's talking about. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Meaning that the minute we die to the world, to self, to the old life. Now we can begin living the new life. So salvation is death to the old life and a new beginning to a new life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And then he says, knowing this. Now it's really amazing, saints. In verse three, he says, don't you know when you receive the Lord, you are baptized into his death. Now, verse 6, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. And then, as you go on, he says in verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. It's amazing when you read that chapter, there are, there are three amazing headline words in this chapter. One, knowing. Two, reckoning. And that's in verse 11. Likewise, reckon yourself to be dead. And the third word is yield mm. your members to him. So let's talk about the first one. First, don't you know that when you received the Lord, you died? As he died, you died? Don't you know, in verse 6, he says, don't you know, and I love it, 
you know, I love this, that the old man is crucified with the Lord. And then he says, don't you know that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more? Death has no more dominion over him. Meaning, as he died, we died to the world. And now, just like death has no more dominion over him, sin has no more dominion over us. So, likewise, he says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, verse 11, alive unto God. And then he says in verse 12, don't let sin reign in your body. Meaning from now on you have power to say no to sin. So think about this. When you got saved, you were free from the penalty of sin. Everything that happened before salvation, God forgave you. You were free from the penalty of sin. Now when you begin to live the Christian life, you become free slowly from the power of sin. It's a process. Later, when you see the Lord, you'll be free from the presence of sin. Now, what we need to deal with here is the power of sin. Because when we got saved, we, we were free from the penalty. And that happened like this. We got saved, free from the penalty of sin. Sin remembered no more. Past sins remembered no more. But the power of sin is broken slowly. The presence of sin will be removed completely when we see the Lord. So mm -hmm. the penalty of sin removed in one moment. The presence of sin will be removed in one moment. But the power of sin, we have to cooperate with God to be free from it. So why is it that people keep repeating the old sins? Because they have not been able to break the power of sin. So the Bible says, don't let sin, verse 12 of Romans 6, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Instead, yield your members let me reread verse 13 fully. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin will not have dominion. Okay, how? How do I get to the place where sin will no longer dominate my life? Like I told you, it's a process. Day by day, we live the kind of life where we receive the fuel of the Word of God. Two, we turn on the ignition of prayer. And three, we put on that pedal so we can move and live in the spirit. Mm. Because 
The word of God and prayer equal life in the spirit. It's like gas in your, in your tank and the ignition coming on in your car. And you put that foot down on the pedal of gas and now you move. That car goes to a different place. We can start living in a different place. Life in the spirit. When we combine fuel and the engine. Well, I mean, you can ignite, the, you, you can turn that engine on, but nothing will happen till the fuel touches the engine, baby. When, when that foot goes on that pedal, it comes together. And then the car takes off. We need the Word of God, which is the fuel of the Christian life. And we need prayer, which is the, the ignition of the Christian life, to be able to live in the Spirit. And when we do, the power of sin begins to break off of us. Now, Jesus said, the Lord said, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and then follow me. Okay. A Christian living in the spirit has to do three things continually. Um, the cross of Jesus is the is the is the is the source of our life. Without the cross, nothing works. Uh, today we hear a lot about how to prosper how to be healed, how to be delivered, how to have a good marriage, and such like. What we're missing is, without the cross, all the how-tos will not work. Mm. So the Lord said, number one, if, if you want to follow me, if you want to be mine, if any man will come after me, let him, number one, deny himself. Two, take up your cross, meaning embrace it, and follow me. How do I follow the Lord? By embracing the cross. But what does it mean to embrace the cross? What does the cross represent? Three things. Shame, weakness, and death. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our shame. In, in Hebrews 12, it says he despised the shame of the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame of the cross. The cross causes persecution. Paul in, in Galatians 5 talks about the offense of the cross. We have to embrace the shame of the cross. Um, when the Lord was crucified, he was crucified naked. You know, they, they show in paintings he was covered. No, no, he was totally naked on that cross, covered with spittle. Remember, in Psalm 22, it says, my bones stare at me. 
meaning he was naked. I can count all my bones. The, the psalmist David was talking about the crucifixion. And the Bible says they, they, they mocked him. They spit upon him. Today, people talk about mental health and how many people are struggling with mental health and mental sickness, I should say. The answer to mental sickness is the cross. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And the Bible says that he endured the hostility of his enemies. Why? He saw the church. If you want to survive in these days of such attacks, look to Jesus. He survived the pain of the cross and the shame of the cross by seeing you, the church, for the joy that was set before him. We seem to forget that we are his joy. In the scriptures, it says he will sing over us with joy. If you want to endure, look to Jesus. He endured by seeing you. We endure by seeing him. Hallelujah. Number two, we embrace the weakness of the cross. Because in the Psalms, in Psalm 22, talks about how weak he became. Paul the Apostle talks about he died in weakness. What is weakness? When we come to the end of our own strength, we come to the end of our own resources, we come to the end of ourselves, and we say, Lord, I can't make it. I'm, I'm depending only on you to make it. You are my strength, Lord. I'm not going to look to humanity for strength. I'm not going to look for my, to my passion. I'm not going to look to my parents. I'm not going to look to my friends. I'm totally dependent on you. So when you embrace the weakness of the cross, you're actually saying to the Lord, I have no strength of my own. I cannot depend on myself. A lot of people, Tashi, today teach independence. It's not in the Bible. The Bible teaches dependence on the Lord, not independence. So today, a lot of people say, well, you have to be independent to do this and succeed. You know, dependence on the Lord. That's embracing the weakness of the cross. So number two, uh, number one, we embrace its shame, meaning persecution. Persecution. There's shame in persecution. 300 million people today are under persecution in the body of Christ, embracing the shame of the cross, the offense of the cross. But there's power in that. Think about when you read these stories about people who had gone through persecution like Richard Rombrandt, the power that rested on that man, being in those, in those prisons, the amazing power of God that was released on that man. And people like Corrie Boom, 
when she was put in that concentration camp for hiding Jews during the war. Or think about people who are in, in pits in Siberia back in the days of the Soviet Union. And the glory of God shone through them as they were persecuted. That's their power. Or think about those, those pastors in Egypt when they were beheaded years mm -hmm. ago. And they said, we forgive you. We, Jesus loves you. That's power. But those precious people, when they were killed, there was power that came, came out of their, of their mouth to say, we forgive you. So when we embrace persecution, the power of God comes on us. Even Peter said that. When we embrace the, the weakness of the cross, we receive God's strength. And thirdly, the, the cross speaks also of death. We embrace the death of the cross. We die to our, our, our own desires, to the world. And that is power. So if you want to be free from the power of sin, it's quite simple. Get the word of God in your life like fuel in an engine, fuel in a car. Turn that engine on, that's prayer. Start living in the spirit and that life is the cross. The crucified life is what I grew up hearing when I got saved. The, 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 the people of God who make it and those who made it lived the crucified life. Today we don't hear it. Today it's a message that is deluded and weak. That makes people feel good about themselves. That's it. So it's a process, it's a process. Dying is a process. And as we slowly and slowly but surely begin to live the Christian life, the power of sin loses its grip on us. And then we're able to move much quickly and more quickly and easily towards the life in the spirit. I'm going to close with this. And I, and I pray you will get this. I pray you really, really will get this. Think about a big fan being behind you and a big fan being way over there in front of you. And both fans are pulling you. One is pulling you back and one is pulling your head. The flesh, Tashi, the flesh wants to always go backwards. That's why it says in the Bible, be not conformed to this world, because it's possible to go back. The world has great pull against each one of us. But the more we move towards God, the quicker he pulls us into his kingdom. So it's like it's like going against the gravity. 
you know, when the space shuttles go up, when the rockets go up, they have to put a lot of power in those in, in those rockets to to take to pull out of the gravity of the Earth. The part of sin is that pull that's trying to take us back into the world. We have to fill our life continually with the fuel of God's word. Let the engine start moving with power and move towards God. And, and slowly the, the power of the world and the power of sin is not able to hold you back and the power of God starts to pull you in. And the, and the fan behind you is closer than the fan ahead of you. In, the, in this life I'm talking about. So it's time you give your life what it needs. Like those rockets, they fill them with a lot of fuel. There's a lot of power that pushes them up. We need a lot of power to move forwards, to move out basically towards the Lord. The flesh has great, great power. We have to defeat it. How? Put the fuel into your spirit, the word. Get the engine moving, prayer, and start moving in the spirit. Connect them together. Lord, in Jesus' name, let them see. Come on, let's, let's pray for them. Let them see this, Lord. Let them understand this on this Monday. In the name of Jesus, in the glorious name of Jesus, Help your sweet people, Lord, grasp this truth and let them embrace the cross by embracing its shame, embracing its weakness, embracing the death of the cross, that we might live a new life in you. As you said, take up your cross and follow me. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Lord, I pray as they embrace the shame and persecution of the cross, they'll receive your glory and power. As they embrace the weakness of the cross and come to the end of themselves, they'll receive your strength. As they embrace the death of the cross, they'll receive your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. And I pray this has, has, this has blessed you. I pray this has really... Uh, is helping you. All right. I want to see you tomorrow for another wonderful teaching. This just came out of my heart tonight, to be honest with you. I just began talking to my daughter and you, and, and Chad is holding the phone, and he's been getting blessed. His face is all lit up. <laughs> okay. Well, much love to all of you. It's time to give right now to the Lord's work so he can bless you and protect you financially, I'm talking about. And, you know, it says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. Yeah, giving is in the scriptures. Tithing is in the scriptures. I heard one guy say not long ago, that tithing is the law. No, no, tithing came way before the law. Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek way before the law. So it's not the law, it's the word of God. Giving, tithing is the word of God. And when we obey 
Lord will bless us. It's his word. He said, give, you'll receive. So you'll reap. So Lord, bless them as they give today. In Jesus' sweetest name, amen. Now I'll say one more thing. Any person that has given his heart to Jesus has no problem giving his money to the Lord. The, the people that have problems giving their money have never given their hearts because it's easy to give everything when you're giving your life to him. All right, much love to you. I'll see you tomorrow for another wonderful day in the Lord. Shalom.